Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, coming May 15th, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, what's your opinion on dolphins? Let's just get get it out. What is your your straightforward view on dolphins as a human female? <laughs> as a human female, yes, it makes total sense why um, there are vans uh, <laughs> that have the depiction of dolphins on the sides of them now. Yeah, when you put it like that, dolphin vans, yeah. dolphin, yeah, you know, you, like airbrushed, you, you, you on airbrushed, the side, yeah. right? T-shirts, it mm-hmm. all makes sense. The tattoos, the symbol of love and unity. Yeah, this kind of. Uh, like it, you see them depicted in art and tattoos and band murals, um, and uh, and gaudy T-shirts. Like they're this supernatural sea being that rises up from the the water to uh, bestow gifts on 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 fishermen that happen to catch them in their nets or something. It's yeah, it's really kind of strange. I think it's clear to say that we have an obsession with them as humans, or you know, as of late. Yeah, right. And and this could be because of Flipper. Uh, which is what, like 1960s, I yeah. believe, that, yeah. that show, which sort of introduced everybody to this incredible creature. And I think most people before that thought, oh, dolphin is just one of those, you know, fish swimming around. Yeah, not that of, exciting. Some sort of freaky sea mammal, you know. Yeah. Not, did not a lot of thought put into it. And of course, part of, uh, part of this has to do with, uh, the whole flipper craze also has its roots with John C. Lilly. The, oh, um, yeah. 
the uh, out there um, fringy. Well, it, it, at his best, he was kind of a fringy scientist, and then he just completely jumped over the fringe and took off willy nilly into the uh, into the bushes of uh, of non-science. Yeah, and for a while though, he was pretty well funded yeah. um, and was doing some very freaky experiments, including flooding a house for two weeks and uh, having one of his research assistants female hole up with a dolphin and we, we, we've talked about it before. Yeah. It's, in it's, fact, uh, we, we talk seedy. about it in the uh, Weirdo Rockstar Lives of Scientist episode. Yeah, so it, there's, there's much stuff. more of that there. Yeah. But, it, it, yeah. but it was a period where suddenly, you know, for all his faults, he was like, hey, Dolphins are pretty incredible creatures, and they have uh, right. some really incredible uh, characteristics and mental. Uh, uh, they have an amazing mental capacity. Yeah, and they're mammals like us, which and they're mammals, uh, not yeah. every, you know it's probably not apparent to everybody at first, but um, they breastfeed their young for the first eight months of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that we can't help but find similarities between ourselves and, and dolphins, particularly when we think about their language capabilities. Right. And again, this is sort of the whole like flipper thing, John C. Lilly thing. The, these are the people or the the ways that showed us that um, that dolphins can really talk to us in a certain way. And you think about it this way. This was pretty amazing. This was pointed out in the movie The Cove. Dolphins can understand sign language, which okay, yeah, great. So can chimpanzees. But think about this: dolphins do not have hands, fingers. That's true, they don't. They don't even have the reference material, which is so interesting to think that they would be able to take all this sign language, um, and again, which we already know we created based mm-hmm. on our finger system, right? Yeah. And we've got the, the number system based on our finger system. A lot of language is based on our number system. But these guys, no. Wow. So they can't type either. Like, if I were to call them out on the blogs and, like, talk a lot of smack, dolphins aren't going to type. What are they going to do? They're just going to go, eh. Stuff, yeah, they've right? got that brain-computer yeah. interface, though. So they should be blogging soon. Oh, the the, the brain-computer interface. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll get yeah, to we'll that. Get to that. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, they are. Oh, well, we should also mention the whole cute factor really quick because yeah. even though I'm not convinced that they are cute per se, they do have that sort of freaky smile look. They kind of look like they're smiling. They have a perma smile. Yeah. And I tried to get to the bottom of business here with you about this, like what it was that freaked you out about it. Was the unca- uncanny valley effect maybe just because it's a perma smile? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cute. How can you not? Yeah, it's but it like it is kind of a perma smile. It's kind of like the the Joker or something. Or uh, it's okay. or it's also it's like I've had this uh, conversation with my wife before about our cat, where I would be like, what would it be like if the cat could smile or laugh? And we both agreed that that would be really creepy. Oh yeah, it'd be so awful. So the idea of an animal smiling or even appearing like we kind of. Flow with it with dogs, I guess. Not that dogs actually smile, but right. they kind of have, you know, when they're panting, they they open their mouth and we're like, oh, they, he looks happy. And they've got the ears. Yeah, it works yeah. more with them. But uh, but with the dolphin, I'm just kind of like, what's it smiling about? What's its, you know. <laughs> what does it want from What me? is its idea of fun or humor? It probably doesn't line up with my idea of fun or humor. Well, regardless, it's still in the pantheon of cuteness next yes. to unicorns, kittens, and uh, horses. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. So it's um, if we turn back the the clock on the dolphin, if mm-hmm. we start looking at where they came from, they of course did not come from another planet. Uh, uh, they're, right. they're, let's go ahead and dismiss <laughs> that right out. They are not uh, um, you know, here to study us um, and report back to the mothership, but uh, they did evolve uh, from um, other forms of life uh, as everything else has. And uh, if you you turn back the the clock according to uh, current studies, you end up with a very strange looking creature that I will I'll either put a picture of this on the accompanying blog post for yeah. this uh, podcast, 
or uh, for this episode, or I will um, I'll embed it or something just so you can see it because the the earlier form of life that uh, modern dolphins evolved from looks kind of like a uh, how do I describe the this? opposite of cute? Yes, the opposite of cute, kind of like a a, a hyena hippo, like a hyena. A hip in a hippo had a baby, and that baby like had some plastic surgery done when it grew up to look more like an alligator. It, yeah, I can I see that. There's like the head has the features of a hippo, sort of around the eyes and the in the cheekbones, if you could say that. Not that they have cheekbones, um, but yeah, the rest of the body sort of looks like an alligator. Yeah, if they had had like chicken coops 48 million years ago, this mm-hmm. thing looks like it would just eat chickens nonstop. Like there's something kind of fox-like about it. Yeah, um, and it's surprising when you think about the dolphin today, which is sleek, and I won't say cuddly because they're not cuddly, but they're playful, and mm-hmm. again, they've got the perma smile. This is the opposite of that. Yeah, it's this is kind of have the more uh, sort of a perma snarl, scowl. yeah, scowl yeah. going on, and. uh so this creature, again, 48 million years ago, it would have been a semi-aquatic herbivore um, with the the name the Indoius or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Indoius. Well, let's call it, call it that. And um, it was actually uh, uh, related to the hippo. Uh, I mean, the hippo is a, is a fairly close um, evolutionary relative to all uh, uh, cessations. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is this is the group of of the uh, hoofers, I, I guess you could say, right? The hoofed ones. Yeah. And um, as a result of this information, um, and, and this is a best guess, right? Too, we don't have. Um, yeah, we, we. This is all just based on theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. but some people have said, "Oh, they've evolved from dogs." This is not <laughs> true. You'll see that sometimes. Um, you know, obviously on the internet out there, but because, you know, of their connection with rhinos, um, and, and, you know, obviously like in alligators as well, this, you know, you see some similarities in terms of starting out as being a, a shallow waters forager. Mm-hmm. This is, this is what the dolphin was doing, hanging out, you know, beach cheer in the water. And <laughs> then, you know, throughout the years became a bit of a more sleeker version of this self. Right, as yeah. uh, as you know, natural selection kicked in, and uh, and the, the the more aquatic variations were the ones that survived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we should probably talk a little bit more too about the features of dolphins. They belong to cetaceans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, along with uh, porpoises and whales. Right. And um, these guys can measure as long as thirteen feet and weigh one thousand pounds. So yeah. they can get up there. Um, they kind of superficially resemble fish, as we've talked about. They they are mammals. Um, and they travel in pods of up to a dozen dolphins, which is interesting because this is the sort of community that they're in. It's not mm-hmm. just that they're hanging out. They're, this is usually their families that they're traveling along with. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later and how it sort of um, makes us better understand them as being social creatures like us. Right. And uh, they have uh, pretty big brains, too. Giant. Yeah. Based on MRI scans, we can, uh, you know, we've really been able to, to get in there and go elbow deep into these fantastic dol- dolphin dolphin brains and uh they're they're big relative to their body size uh and they have uh, a highly uh convoluted neocortex uh which is a a structure that also allows for self-awareness processing of complex emotions mm-hmm. and um they uh we we tend to to see their uh, this the evolution of the the dolphin brain um as, uh, as, as occurring in various growth spurts throughout history. Right. Like uh, the first uh, big jump would have happened about 39 million years ago. And this is when you had primitive dolphins that have, um, you know, they've, they've, they've diverged, they've shot off, they're, they're living it up in the water. 
And uh, this is around the time that uh, echolocation became really big. Right. And um, think of bats, right? Yeah, think of bats. Except it's you know it's a it's a little more complex than that. But they're using yes. sound to see things, using sound to hunt. Uh, and we've observed some remarkable um, examples of, of this of of them using it to. Uh, to, to track prey and actually mm-hmm. like, sort of herd them in, um, it's uh, it, it's really incredible. Yeah, and, it's very uh, sophisticated sonar, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, there's actually one study that uh, they had a couple of dolphins, and um, it was predicated basically on them being able to get some fish. So each of them had to hit a lever on the right or left. And they had to mimic each other. Uh-huh. And then they'd get the fish. They'd be rewarded with that. Well, they did that over and over again. And then they did it in different rooms where they couldn't see each other. And finally, they did it to the point where they could only hear each other. And again, if the other uh, dolphin does not hit the correct button, then they're not going to get the fish. And so what they observed is that even in another room, that they would hear the dolphins say something to the other dolphin which then was construed as, hey, hit the left lever, buddy, or something yeah. along those lines so we can get this fish. And, in fact, they would do this over and over again. And it just shows you that the power of echo- echolocation is, for them, um, so incredible and used in ways that, you know, they could uh, particularly just be sort of blind and be able to see using this sonar. And um, you also dra- dra- dragged in the uh, the social uh, connotation there yeah. because that was uh, another uh, evolutionary spurt in brain size mm-hmm. that occurred, uh, they think, about 15 million years ago uh, as they developed uh, a more social lifestyle. And uh, and social interactions, that takes a fair amount of brain power. Mm-hmm. So the the brain, again, uh, began to grow in size, become, became more complex as they had to, uh, as, as the, the dolphins that were better capable of navigating uh, their social structure were uh, were the ones to survive and become the species. Yeah, we know in humans, too, that we develop our neocortex in part as a way to to deal with our social situations, including parenting. Mm-hmm. And again, there's another parallel because you do see dolphins staying with their young for two, three years, raising them. And again, there's the whole feeding thing for eight months at the very beginning and then traveling as a family. Yeah, you'll typically see them at vacation spots. Um <laughs> They're always kind of loud though, because they're all, they're all taking photos and yeah, yeah. I know the loud shirts. Yeah, mm. what are you gonna do? Um, but you know, so that's that's a I think a, a just a little glimpse of their intelligence. Um, uh-huh. and again, their their brain size that's second only to humans. So they trump everybody else in terms of brain size. Um, you know, except for us. Yeah, but we don't use the echolocation to find things. So true. True. And we should say, too, that a lot of their brain is uh, that brain space is committed for echolocation. Right. Yeah. That's why one of the reasons why it's so large. Yeah. I mean, it's one of these situations we get into in looking at any species, though, where I mean, in analyzing an animal's intelligence, you all we always inevitably fall back on the human model. So just because because uh, one animal, the human, is capable of, uh, of reading Moby Dick. And, uh, and the, the dolphin isn't doesn't mean that the, the dolphin is stupid. It's just a different type of intelligence. Right. I mean, the, and, and actually Moby Dick, right? I mean, one could be reading it. The other could be just, you know, uh, terrorizing ships. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I mean, that's interesting that you bring up what is intelligence because we've talked about it before. We've talked about it as pattern recognition, the ability to try to predict the future and pre-plan. Mm-hmm. And you see this in dolphins again and again. We've talked about this before about dolphins using sponges on the tips of their noses to forage on the ocean floor. And the reason they do that is so that in case there's some sort of creature there, 
and doesn't like snap out of them and, uh, you know, scar them or take a chunk of skin off. And it allows them to kind of see where the creatures are without getting hurt. Yeah. And obviously this takes pre-planning. Yeah. I mean, it's tool use. It's a, it's a fairly advanced technique. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, uh, there's another good example I really like. Uh, this is from dolphin researcher Peter Arend Fogens. Uh, he tells a story about how at Marine World Africa USA, they had trained the dolphins to retrieve trash and bring it to the trainer. Uh, mm-hmm. and then they get a reward fish, of course. And, um, what they saw is that the dolphins would clean up the area, spick and span, and yet, Pieces of trash they would still find and bring up to the trainer and get their fish. Ah. And so they were saying, how is this possible? This area is completely clean. And what they had found is that one dolphin had begun to put a stash of um, trash into this little um, trash bag that was on the side. Mm-hmm. That and, and how incredible is that, that the dolphin actually planned for that, saw the trash bag and was like, um, that's going to be my storehouse. That's going <laughs> to make sure that I am always knee deep in fish. Well, you know, this gets us into the area of, uh, more into the area of what can we ha- make dolphins do, mm-hmm. which uh, after this brief break, we're going to discuss in detail. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. All right, so we're back. And... Let's talk about what dolphins can do for us. Because as humans, right. you know, recognizing an, anim- an animal's intelligence is great, but can we use it to fight wars or to do work that we don't want to do? I mean, uh, sadly, a lot of it comes down to that. Or or even what can it do to entertain me? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just thinking that in um, one respect, they're really lucky that they are no longer land-dwelling animals and they're in the water because we probably would have them on trash detail on yeah. the side of the, the highways. Oh, I can picture them in their little orange jumpsuits. Right, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one of the the, the, uh, the, the first efforts to, uh, to make or, well, convince, I don't know, it depends how you look at it, dolphins to do things for us, um, back in 1965, uh, C-Lab 2. Uh, which we discussed in our Life Aquatic podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was um, um, at Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard in San Francisco, and this was an underwater l- laboratory environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the tests they were doing, though, were just figuring out, hey, can people work, um, say, at a depth of 200 feet for 30 straight days? Can they... Um, you know, can they can they carry out experiments? Are they going to go crazy or become sick? Yeah, it was human centric. Yeah. yeah, very very human centric. They also experimented with a trained porpoise, porpoise named Tuffy to do courier work between the habitat um, on the uh, ocean floor and the surface. And instead of using a hose to provide the um, uh, the humans with the, all their supplies from the surface, the the Navy sometimes used Tuffy to bring things down, uh, things like mail, tools, and uh, even bottles of soda. So I'm hmm. not saying it wasn't kind of demeaning to the dolphin, but um, it, but it was based in pure research. <laughs> You're saying it was sort of beyond what they should have been doing, or well, I mean, they should have been doing like watercolors. Well, it well it gets weirder when you when you start looking at what the the navy because you know the U.S. Navy w- was more into like all right, well they can fetch a soda, yeah, but can they do things that we actually need them to do? Because we can get soda, we can we can provide soda for our submarine, crews. right? We can do that, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, can we maybe intern. get them to find explosive mines, right? Yeah. So that was a, a big deal in the 60s. Um, mine sweeping. Yeah. They, they weren't disarming mines. They weren't going down, like, you know, Brett busting it open and finding blue wires and red wires and anything like that, because, again, no hands. 
but they did teach them how to how to find the mines, mm-hmm. and then uh, they would reward them with the with a you know a nice fish treat. You ever seen a clue here? Fish really big in the dolphin world. Yeah, yeah. Um, another example, and this is again U.S. Navy is, uh, and this is from Slate.com, pin the tail on the dolphin by Daniel Enger. Uh-huh. Um, it is quote: Dolphins and sea lions are also trained to use bite plate systems to mark or capture waterborne intruders. When they spot an enemy diver underwater, they can poke him with a bite plate to release a strobe light beacon, mm-hmm. presumably, so someone can find that person. And they might also carry C-shaped clamps that snap shut on a diver's leg. Once a dolphin cuffs the diver, it oh. swims back to its handler with a tether line. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine getting cuffed? By a dolphin. Yeah, yeah. it's like Miami Vice there. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It is. I mean, about the only thing more amazing is if the tether were actually attached to the dolphin, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And they could just bring him in and they had a little dolphin car. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I like the badge. idea that, because you don't want the dolphin then to go rogue and like just drag the person out to sea. You want him to hand him over to the authorities. No, but the it, human authorities. It's true. Yeah, it's true. You know, who knows what they're capable of. And it makes me think of the onion, which has a couple of very oh, funny yes. dolphin headlines. But one of them is, uh, dolphins, uh, develop opposable thumbs. And the whole article, which is sort of, uh, kind of funny, but actually the article is hilarious. It talks about how now that they have opposable thumbs, humans are toast. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to take us over. The, the, they are, like I say, if they were to have hands, it's like who knows exactly what they want because um, we can't talk to them. We can't talk to them. Yet. Yes. Uh, this is this is really interesting. Uh, um, so if you go back to the 90s, you had this guy named uh, Lewis Herman, and uh, he worked at the uh, – uh, Kualo Basin Marine uh, Mammal Laboratory in Honolulu. Yeah. And uh, he discovered that bottlenose dolphins can keep track of over a hundred different words. And they can, they can, they can roll with different commands that use these words in different, uh, forms. Like the, uh, the example that I ran across was like, for instance, you'd be able to say, Hey, can you bring that surfboard to me? Yeah. And they would understand that. And they would equally understand, Hey, can you bring me to that surfboard? Which the difference is obvious to us, but we're talking about I mean, this, English isn't even a second language. Like, language is a second language yeah. to the dolphin, you know? Think about if you're trying to learn German and how difficult that is because of the placement of words. And yeah, then doing it yeah. as an as a dolphin, right? Yeah. Yeah. With several languages. Yeah. Because your trainer could be German, right? Yeah. And uh, really fascinating um, is this more recent approach. Uh, and one, one of the... This is mainly um, a dolphin researcher by the name of uh, Denise Herzing, mm-hmm. and uh, she's uh, collaborating with uh, Thad Starner, who's an artificial intelligence researcher at uh, Atlanta's own Georgia Institute of Technology. Mm-hmm. Right down the road. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the project's called um, Cessation Hearing and uh, Telemetry, or CHAT. Nice. I, I think maybe they came up with CHAT first. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, but basically, the, the, the idea is really neat here. It's... All right, so dolphins kind of have, they have their own language, and I'm doing quote marks with my fingers because it's, you know, this is a whole different discussion about what constitutes a language and all. But they have, uh, they can clearly, um, communicate, uh, via sound. They, they use sound mm-hmm. uh, in, in very clever ways, and often in ways that we can't even fully, uh, understand. So, like they, they, they can produce sounds at frequencies up to 200 kilohertz, around 10 times as high as the highest pitch that a human can hear. And in so many different directions, yeah. too, right? Which yeah. makes it, again, hard to sort of tag what that um, vocalization might mean because you don't really know, as humans, we don't really know what it's being directed to. Yeah, they occupy just a different sonic landscape than we do as a species. Mm-hmm. So while the past effort was let's teach them some human language, 
you know, and then that met, met with, you know, very limited success. And we haven't made a lot of strides um, towards understanding their language because, mm-hmm. again, a lot of it's out of our hearing. So this effort is, is kind of about developing a new language, like meeting them halfway. Right. It's fascinating. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're recording, interpreting, and they're responding to the dolphin sounds. This is... Um this is from an article on New Scientists Talk with the Dolphin via Underwater Translation Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sterner and his students are building a prototype device featuring a smartphone-sized computer and two hydrophones ca- uh, capable of detecting the full range of dolphin sounds. Yeah, and then also, you know, it's about detecting the patterns within their sounds. Cataloging, yeah. detecting. Um, it says a diver will carry the computer in a waterproofed case worn across the chest and LEDs embedded around the diver's mask will light up to show where a sound picked up by the hydrophones originated from. The diver will also have a handheld device that acts as a combination of mouse and keyboard for selecting what kind of sound to make in response. Hmm. So these are sort of the first steps in trying to uh, they're calling it co-create the language. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is funny because it's it, a collaboration it, with it, the dolphins. Right. Because they've had a lot of meetings with the dolphins and, and they're into it. Um, so Herzing and Sterner will actually start testing the system on wild Atlantic spotted dolphins in the middle of this year. And, uh, at first divers will play back one of the eight words coined by the team to mean like seaweed or bow wave ride, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and the software will then listen, to, uh, to see if the dolphins mimic them. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Like I instantly am thinking though of like, of this, in an outrageous scenario where we make first contact with the dolphins. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what would the first, like on one hand, are they going to say, greetings, human. We, I am so glad that you can, we can finally communicate as a, as, as brothers. And we wish to convey to you this, this message of, of our environmental responsibility. Or would it be I like, like your dolphin voice? That's, that's my, my erudite dolphin voice. Or would it be like, yo, man, uh, do you want to give me that fish? I'll totally yeah. go get you a mine if you give me that fish. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I'll totally tell you about gray matter, but yeah, <laughs> I, I want, um, a thousand barrels of fish. Yeah. Right now. Uh, or, sorry, gray matter. Dark matter. Or uh, gray matter. The, the gray. I like, yeah, I mean, either one, See, right? One, all one, mistransla- one mistranslation between dolphin and human language, and then they go out and start harvesting brains. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> With their newly sprung opposable yeah. thumbs. They're like, uh, they want us to get gray matter. Do you mean they meant dark matter, all that dark matter that we have stored at the bottom of the ocean? And they're like, no, they said gray matter. And they're like, all right, fish of fish. Let's start harvesting brains. Let's do so, it. Yeah. yeah. Oof. But yeah, next thing you know, documentary. Um, okay, so they are very much like us, right? We've, we've yes. sort of discussed why big brains, mammals, uh, they like hanging out with their young, traveling in pods, and they're altruistic. Oh, yes. Which makes sense for us um, in an evolutionary sense, right? Because if we do something nice for each other, then we kind of help stabilize the species and we promote success right. as, as a whole. But why in the world would they help humans? I want to know. Why would they help? Yeah, that's the thing. Humans? Cause you can understand them like, you know, looking after other dolphins in the pod because the, the pod needs to survive. But you know, why are they helping out, say, human fishermen? Um, in, uh, in South America, um, yeah. who are the, where the dolphins actually herd the, uh, the fish in to, towards the nets? Or why are they, cool with you know fetching mines or or slapping handcuffs on strange divers i mean is it really that that the little fish treat is that important to them hmm. i don't know i mean you have heard before of people being rescued by dolphins right yeah or of surfers going you know being about to be attacked by a shark and then you know sort of t-boned to the side <laughs> by a dolphin you know uh-huh. thwarting the attack 
So I don't know. I, th- I think that's probably one of the reasons why they're such an enigma to us, because, again, there's this connection that seems to happen um, with us. But also like the video you sent me, which was like oh, yes. the cutest thing I've ever seen of a dolphin nuzzling with a kitten on a boat. Yes. And I will definitely embed this on the accompanying blog post for this uh, for this article. Uh, but, yeah, you see like a cat walking over to the edge of a swimming pool or it's not a swimming pool. It's a dolphin tank, but yeah. uh, walking to the edge of the tank and the dolphin comes up and they're like, like the dolphins nuzzling the top of the cat's head the same way that, you know, any cat owners out there are likely to do to their own pet cat. It's strange. And it, yeah, it's it's very weird the way that the dolphin does it because it's it's. The cat obviously is into it, and it's right on that part of the head that the cat loves. Um, so there's that. And then um, there, the other thing, you know, and just to, <laughs> I feel like we've already sort of besmirched dinosaurs yeah. in talking about their sex lives, so we might as well talk about dolphins. Turns out that these are randy folks. Yeah, well, it's not like they're trying to keep it private or anything. They don't care. They're no. out there doing it. They have sex to have sex, not necessarily to procreate. And this is so weird, too. They actually can develop HPV, which is human papillovirus. Uh, there was an interview with um, Ira Flato from Science Friday, uh-huh. and he was talking to a couple of folks about this. Um, it was an interview with Dr. Hendrick Nolans of the University of Florida. And let me just read it real quick. This is a transcript of this. Uh, there was, it says from Flatow, another question. Uh, you were intriguing me by talking about the sea of viruses that are swimming in the ocean. And one of those I was thinking about and I've heard about is this genital papilloma virus. Um, I know there's a human papillovirus that might lead to cancer. Is there something similar in that sea of viruses that might be affecting the dolphins? And Dr. Nolan says there is, and it probably doesn't come from the seawater. It may be related to their sexual behavior, hmm. maybe, which is purely hypothesis. But no, all, dolphins do get genital papillomavirus infections. And what is actually unique about them is that they're the only other species other than humans that we see multiple type of infections at the same time. Um, so, but the, the weird thing about it is that that doesn't actually develop into cervical cancer for dolphins. And mm. that's a big question for why that might happen in a human and not in dolphins. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, STD awareness campaigns, I think, for dolphins. Well, and then. I must. Well, one thing, I've brought this up before, and I will probably bring it up in every discussion about dolphins for the rest of my life, but, um, I, the reports of, okay. Only a few people on this earth can afford a private submarine that allows them to go underwater. Richard and, Branson, we're looking at you. <laughs> and have, uh, and, and engage in human sex in front of a, an underwater portal. Again, Richard yeah. Branson, yeah. I'm looking at you. So these people have reported dolphins coming and watching this activity through the glass, which again, that, that's just, why is this happening? Why, what does the dolphin care? What does the dolphin possibly get out of? Is it just because there's motion and they're just curious? I mean, I guess I would tend to, to side with that versus any kind of, uh, perversion on the dolphin's well, part. Well, I but. mean, I think about John C. Lilly's experiment too with his female research assistant who lived w- in mm-hmm. the flooded house for two weeks with the dolphin. It began to expose his genitals to her and began to rub up against her. And I won't go into all the other things it did, but, uh, Clearly, like yeah. there's, there's an interest in interspecies, uh, uh, you know, goings ons. Well, again, they're just ranty. Any port in a, sport, in a storm, right? So I guess yeah, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, I guess that's their attitude. Yeah, they have a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. We, we managed to end that on, on, again, dolphin sex and STDs and, you know, they still have a cute smile though. Yeah, they do. 
And, uh, of course, we have a lot of information on dolphins on the HowStuffWorks.com website. If you just go to the homepage there, uh, you'll find the big old, big old search bar. Just drop dolphins in there and uh, just bask in the results that you will receive. Cetacean heaven. Yeah. So there, you know, more information awaits you there. But, hey, uh, what awaits me now is some listener mail. Let's see what we have here. Ah, here's one from Chris. Chris writes in and says, uh, and, and he's responding to our uh, episode um, about the five-fingered evolutionary discount, about um, the, uh, the the five fingers that we have and that we share with just about uh, every other animal on the planet. Yep. And he says, uh, today I was cutting wood and I accidentally cut my pinky when I went inside. I put a Band-Aid on it uh, to keep it safe, and I proceeded with my day. Before bed, I faithfully brushed my teeth, and in an attempt to, to keep my Band-Aid intact, I tried not to use my pinky, so I stuck it out. Have you uh, ever tried to brush your teeth without your pinky? Let me tell you, it is really hard. When it comes to the turning uh, to get every single spot of, t- of tooth nice and clean, it tends to be difficult. Indeed, we do need five fingers. Um, Chris from Manitoba. And then Chris adds, P.S., if we didn't have pinkies, then uh, when we drank tea, we wouldn't be able to do the whole pinkies up routine. See, uh, see, they do come, they do come in very handy. So there you here, go. Here, here. Yeah. I agree. So that's some, some excellent research there from Chris. Uh, and it, indeed, you find this too. Uh, I, I found this to be the case. You know, you, you tend to discount some of your fingers. You're like yeah. pinkies. I don't know what they're for. You know, they're just hanging out there on the end. But you, you nick your finger. You end up having to throw a Band-Aid over it. And then it, like, totally inconveniences everything you're doing throughout the day. Well, and you become aware of it all the time. You go to open a doorknob or, like, yeah. he's, you know, brushing his teeth. And, yeah, all of a sudden you're like, I am more aware of my fingers than I've ever been in my entire life. And the fact that one of them is throbbing in pain right now. And uh, here's another uh, bit of listener mail from our listener, Tom. And Tom writes in and says, uh, Hey, Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. I uh, can't say enough how much I enjoy your podcast, along with the Tech Stuff podcast. Indeed, another fine listening choice. And uh, actually, it actually educates me as I drive among cornfields on the way to work. Um, I tend to listen to the episodes in big old bunches. So I am writing after listening to the podcast on music changing our minds and changing our minds the hard way. So, yeah, these were the one dealing with what, what happens in our brain when we listen to music and mm-hmm. the other what happens to our mind uh, or the expression of ourself when you, say, get struck by lightning or have an iron rod fire up through your uh, uh, prefrontal cortex. Right. How does that change the sense of yourself? Right. So he says, uh, when hearing that the music can actually alter our moods and behavior, and and possibly for the positive and not the Kiss Army way my mom warned me about, my mind immediately jumped to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Um, another fine work, yes. Uh, the uh, scientific evidence actually makes it seem movie plausible that the quote-unquote perfect band, like Wild Stallions, could actually <laughs> bring about world peace. Awesome. So I, I, that's, that's interesting. I hadn't really made the connection there between Bill and Ted and... Uh, and uh, those topics. But, That's uh, right. And and then all everybody's neurons just firing at the same time to the wild stallions, you know. Yeah. Feeling this unity and oneness. Saving the world. There you go. Well, hey, if you have uh, any uh, strange movie connections to make, you know I'm always game for those. And you can share them with us at uh, at our Facebook account or our Twitter. We are Blow the Mind on both of those. And we try and update those with all sorts of cool links and whatnot. And you can always drop us a line at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, coming May 15th, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.